is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask, what did you say? Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday and celebrating a Falcons victory. A to Z brought to you by our good friends at betonline.net. lot to do on the show. Obviously, we'll get to the Falcons. We will have to discuss the Braves' disappointing exit from the Major League Baseball postseason. Big shakeups in college football this weekend. We'll do it all here on this Monday edition. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, follow the YouTube channel as well. Like, uh, thumbs up, all the content there on our YouTube channel. And we are on Roku TV. Download the Roku TV app. Take us with you wherever you get Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick, and the like. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, it was a um, it was interesting because uh, prior to this game against the Niners, uh, I had talked last week about the idea that you know you you can't continue to win games the way the Falcons are winning games with the level of quarterback play that you're getting from Marcus Mariota, and I still hold to that maxim because I think it's 100 percent true. But for Arthur Smith to go out there and say, well, quarterback rating and completion percentage be damned, um, that was a convenient way of him telling everybody, hey, guess what? Uh, You know, we're going to do this the best way I can. Well, yesterday, Arthur Smith went out there and just basically decided, uh, I actually do care about quarterback rating and completion percentage because Marcus Mariota simply went 13 of 14, only for 129 yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 144.6. Folks, the highest is 153.8. So, in short to say, Marcus Mariota had a pretty good day. Not only that, he did it with his legs as well. And uh, the Falcons came away with one of the more surprising wins of the NFL slate yesterday as they were able to, you know, um, uh, figure out how to get through all this. Now. What I think is super important, too, is when you look at the numbers from yesterday, you're looking at a Falcons team um, that, again, they got outgained overall. Uh, They they did not necessarily do anything on offense that wowed you. They had the benefit of a defensive touchdown. Um, And the 49ers had more first downs than they did. As I said, they had more yards. They clearly had more passing yards. They didn't have more rushing yards. But nonetheless, all those stats mixed together – It doesn't look like it's a positive outcome, but the Falcons go 9 of 14 on third down, and that is the most important thing. They're also able to hold on to the football for over 33 minutes in this game. They forced three turnovers, as I mentioned. One of them turns into a TD. You know, they limited their penalties to only five in the game. The Falcons played as clean of a game, and as as perfect as a game as you could expect to play when it comes to trying to win a football game, and did so. You know, they jump out to this 14 to nothing lead, and it's like, you know, oh, my God, they're in the driver's seat. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers get right back in it and score 14 points. It's like, uh-oh. But they held it all together. And their defense pitched a shutout in the second half, which Dean Peace must be over the moon about. Because uh, you had thought with the momentum that San Francisco had gotten moving into halftime that there would at least be some semblance of, you know, uh, 
that that his team might be going in the wrong direction. They locked it up in the second half, man. They really did. And that's there's a ton of credit to this defense and the way that they played. But I, again, I'll go back to the same thing over and over I've said about the Falcons this entire year is simply that their scheme is so good on offense. This was the best rush defense in the league coming into this game. And all the Falcons did was chew them up for 168 yards on the ground, averaging 4.2 yards per carry. And they take control of a game against a team that was better than they were. There's not much you can really say about it. Uh, other than that, I mean, you know, be, uh, everyone should be happy about this win. Everybody should be happy about the condition of this team and where they are. They're three and three and tied for first in the NFC South. Not many would have thought that would have been the case. And even if they were three and three, uh, you wouldn't have thought that that other teams would have stumbled enough for them to be tied for first place in the NFC South. So Arthur Smith continues to do an amazing, amazing job with this team. And we talked last week, too, leading up to the game about how Mariota is here for the duration of this season. The play that he made on third and 12 to scamper for 15 yards is exactly why he'll stay in the game for as long as he needs to stay in the game because he makes plays that others can't. It's just that simple. I mean, again, Marcus Mariota is not being effective. He's being more efficient. He's being smart. Um, he's staying within himself. And I think those are things that you have to give him credit for. The numbers are never going to look pretty from the offensive standpoint. They just won't. It's, it's not the way Arthur Smith is going to allow this offense to unfold. Yeah, and and his, <laughs> here's what yesterday did for Marcus Mariota. For a guy who's completing 57% of his passes through the first five games, completing 92.9 of them yesterday, shot it back up into the 60s. He's at 61.3 for the season. And, and he's going to float around that 60% mark, which is low for NFL quarterbacks in today's passing league. 60% used to be like a high water mark. Now, you know, it's it's just flat out low. Um, but Arthur Smith is designing an offense where he knows that the quarterback can stay within himself and not have to do too much and not make too much of anything uh, other than to just make enough plays to help his team win the game and stay net positive. Everything Marcus Mariota does for the most part, and especially since he stopped turning over the football, everything that he does is uh, net positive, right? And when you continue to be net positive, he keeps his team in games, they stay on the right track, and lo and behold, they end up winning football games. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to doubt the Falcons at this point in time against anybody that they play. Uh, their schedule still gets tougher. There's no doubt about that, that it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Um, they'll play the Bengals, you know, on the road. Uh, obviously going to be a tough win. They still have the Chargers to take care of. They get the, the, the Panthers and the Bears sandwiched in there before they turn the corner to the back half of the season and the bye week and everything. But, you know, I don't think you can be disappointed about much with this team. If you really wanted to nitpick, I'd look at the pass rush and the sacks. They only have eight of them um, through six games. So, it's not like they're getting the quarterback. They didn't get a sack yesterday. But, hey, you know, uh, you can only really fix one major thing at a time. And the fact that they fixed this offensive line and they fixed the running game and they have an offense that at least is going to be respectable and keep people in games, keep the team in games, yeah, well, I don't think there's much more you really need to worry about at this point in time. The sacks aren't going to come unless they are, unless they start blitzing at a rate that is untenable because – they're going to put their their secondary at a complete disadvantage. And I think Dean Peace knows that. 
I think he's okay with pressure, phantom pressure, and things of that nature for the most part, especially given that they're, they're not playing a ton of high-level quarterbacks. I mean, again, they'll face one in Burrow, they'll face one in Herbert, but after that, it kind of lightens up as far as the level of quarterbacks they're going to face until they see Brady again. So, um, all in all, what's what's to be upset about? Don't nitpick anything with this team. Smile at the fact that they're three and three, um, and and you can actually sit there after a third of the season and go, "Wow, playoffs might be a real possibility." Something that I'd be dead wrong on because I never thought that they had any shot whatsoever to even get close to the playoffs. And so here they are. Take it as a win. All right, we'll go from the good to the bad here in just a moment. First, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Look at Monday Night Football tonight. Chargers, Broncos, divisional game. Chargers laying four and a half here tonight. You can get some great information on that game at BetOnline.net because they have news and reviews of every single league. Obviously, the NFL, college football, what a weekend it was. Major League Baseball playoffs continuing along. You get the NBA right around the corner, NHL underway. There's combat sports, esports, even golf, folks. I mean, how much more could you ask for from one site? Because BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. You can look for uh, you know, trends and angles and things that you might not get elsewhere. You get information on live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered on all of it. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device, which is great because you're on the go. You're sitting in, you know, in an elevator or whatever. Just check that online on the mobile device, and you'll learn about all the action that's happening tonight, today, tomorrow, whenever it is. Bet online where the game starts. All right, the game started for the Atlanta, for the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs, and it ended uh, over the weekend as they got beat by the Philadelphia Phillies uh, in four games. You know, a lot of, and I saw a lot of reactions online to what happened to the Braves and the fact that they had lost and. You know, um, the idea that that there was something that they could have done differently. Um, no, there wasn't. The only thing they could have done differently is play better. Uh, I, I, I will say a couple of things. One, uh, I told everybody prior to the playoffs started, you wanted no part of the Philadelphia Phillies. None. You don't want to play a divisional opponent in the playoffs. Avoid it at all costs. If it is, make sure it's a seven-game series. So you have at least the benefit of a longer series to make things happen and, and right the ship. You play a divisional opponent in a short series, you're asking for trouble, especially when you're the higher-seeded team because you got to play near perfect. But in short, what the Braves did was just not play good baseball. I mean, guys, you have to understand what the Braves have become offensively, and it works over 162 games. It's problematic in the playoffs. Because the Braves have become a hit a home run or strikeout kind of team. That's it. That's who they are. And I know that's who they are because the numbers say so. And why that's problematic in the playoffs, and I know that it's problematic in the playoffs, is because as a Yankee fan, I've watched it for the better part of a decade. When 162 games, you either strike out or hit home runs, you have a lot more room to hit home runs over 162 games. You don't have that blessing in the playoffs. Over a four-game stretch, if you don't hit a bunch of home runs, guess what? You'll lose more than you win. Get extrapolate that over a 20-game stretch, you'll probably hit more home runs. Why? Because the situations are more affable to hit one. Folks, the best two hitters and the two most dangerous hitters on your roster, Austin Riley and Michael Harris, batted 067 and 071 respectively. They were combined two for 29 in the series. What are you going to do? The only guy who hit the ball is Travis Darno. That's it. I mean, Matt Olson uh, hit a couple of home runs. 
And that's the thing. Not a single home run did the Braves hit that mattered. There was not a single game-changing home run. Not one that tied the game, not one that took the lead, nothing. Their home runs were meaningless. And oh, by the way, this team batted 180 over four games and struck out a whopping 43 times. You get 27 outs. If you do 10 of them by strikeout, it's not good. That's what it boils down to. Their OBP was 250. That's what it boils down to. You're not going to win a series when that happens. You're not. I mean, you, you look at the you look at the uh, the Phillies. Bryce Harper was 10 for 23, batted 435. Juan Segura batted 389. JT Rail Muto, he was batting 250. I mean, you know, th th these were guys, he scored six runs. This was the heart of their lineup, and they played really well. In fact, the best hitter, though, the biggest power hitter on that team, Kyle Schwarber, he did a great job of. He went one for 20. He only got one freaking hit in the whole series and didn't have a single RBI. He was terrible. The other part of the thing that did the Braves in, in this series in particular, is you had one starter, just one, get through four innings. And that was Kyle Wright, obviously. Starting pitching stunk. Guys, it happens. It happens. I mean, sometimes you just don't pitch well in the postseason. And excuses be damned. I mean, don't give me about the flu with, with Max Fried and everything else and Spencer Strider with the injury. Then, if Spencer Strider couldn't have pitched, and I said this, if he wasn't able to start, he wasn't healthy enough to go and pitch an entire game, then he shouldn't have pitched, period. Figure out a different answer. Like, I, I didn't like the, the whole concept of he's going to be a bullpen game, we'll pitch him for three innings and we'll figure it out. No, I didn't like that at all. I thought that was bad. I, didn't, that was, I, I thought that was sketchy managing by Snit at best. I genuinely did. It was not something I thought was really very much a, a good philosophy. But they got beat by a team that played better. Are the Phillies better than they are? I don't know the answer to that. But they played better over a short series, and that's why it's dangerous. And let's pump the brakes on all the changes that people need to make. Folks, this team is well-constructed, and they have a lot of salary certainty on the roster, which allows them to do exactly what they want to do. What's going to happen with Dansby? We'll figure that out. You got like easily two more weeks before you got to worry about that. You know, they'll, they'll have a window right after the World Series is over uh, to negotiate with them exclusively and see what happens. I mean, I would think with all the other salaries that they put together, I think here's, here's the short answer on Dansby right now. Here's the best answer I can give you on Dansby right now. They'll treat him exactly the way they treated Freddie Freeman. They will make an offer. And maybe increase it once if he wants him to. But other than that, they're not going to chase a dollar figure. That's not how Alex Anthopoulos is going to operate. That's not how Liberty Media is going to operate. Um, they're not going to do the, hey, go get an offer, bring it back to us. We'll see if we can match it kind of deal. The Braves will make an offer. Alex Anthopoulos will make an offer. If Dansby doesn't want to accept it, he may come back to him and say, can you do any better? Here's what I got. Can you do any better? And just like they did with Freddie, they may up it a small amount. But at the end of the day, this is a team that is going to be smart with their contracts, and they're going to be very, very judicious about when they hand this one out. To this point, the Braves have not given a – I think Austin Riley is the highest average annual value of a contract at $21 million. They're not playing in that $25, $30 million range. They ain't doing it. They are not doing it. So – if, if Dansby Swanson is going to command what 
you know, the biggest shortstops in the league, call his career is, I think, getting $30 million. He's going to be on a different team. If Dansby wants to stay, then maybe he takes a discount. But we don't. nobody should believe in a hometown discount. I mean, that's just ridiculous, folks. You wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Nobody would do it. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's not a, a very sustainable idea. And, and in the big picture, if you want to try to put a really silver lining on this and make this very much a, a uh, you know, like a, a, a Pollyanna sort of thing, guess what? Losing this thing might actually have been better for them next year. You win, it's like, okay, they, they have, the, the, they have the, uh, the summer that they had to, to, to win 101 games, and you start to feel yourself a little bit. Now you realize why it's really hard to repeat and why it's hard to win more than one title in a, in, in a several-year span. And that sting may help them going forward next year. Obviously, over the course of a six-month season, a lot of things are going to change, and you have no idea how things are going to unfold, this, that, and the other. All that still, guess what? You know, there's a certain amount of, uh, of lessons you can learn from losing this. And you hear the words about how, they, how they, the, 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 the manager and the coaches all spoke at the end of this. You know, um, I think they all realized that they were sort of caught off guard uh, about how quickly they could have they, – they were eliminated from the playoffs. So hopefully they roll it forward into something that is much more uh, beneficial for them going into next year. All right. Uh, we, we got a big weekend in college football to get to. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind you guys, because not only was it a big day in college, it was a big day in the NFL – um, to check out NFL key predictions here on Locked On. Thanks for making Locked On Falcons your first listen every single day. Aaron Freeman does an amazing job with that show on a, on a weekly basis. Make sure you check out Locked On Falcons, but also check out check out NFL key predictions every Friday at Locked On NFL. That's right, folks. We do it big. We do it small here at Locked On. Locked On's experts give you the inside scoop of the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday night football, plus betting advice from the field's leading betting experts bet online and me of course follow nfl key predictions every friday on locked on nfl available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcast now time for a shovel of wisdom brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom You know how we do it. Uh, every day we have to say, uh, or sensibly straight, rather, or saying or doing something stupid. And uh, you can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Tennessee football. Very short abbreviated shovel. My computer talks stuff. You get the point. Anyway, uh, Tennessee obviously has a huge win over Alabama on Saturday, uh, and the fans stormed the field. One of the few occasions I actually will support uh, the fans storming the field. Why? Because you beat, like, you know, college football's best program. Uh, and that is one thing that is very hard to do. They have another 15 years storm the field. They tear down the goalposts, look pretty fun, look pretty awesome. But I didn't realize is after I watched them tear down the goalposts, like, guess what? They took the goalposts, walked them out of Neyland Stadium, Took them to the Tennessee River and threw them in the Tennessee River. Yeah, I missed all that. Until last night when I saw the Tennessee Volunteers official football Twitter account, that Balls Football, 
um, tweeted out that uh, they need the goalposts back or they want to raise money for new goalposts. This is like a major institution in America. And they are asking for money for people to bring to, to fund new goalposts and stop it. They got like $55,000 and they still have 15 days left because Tennessee has a bye this week coming up. So it's like, dear Lord. I can't believe people are actually paying into this. You all have suckers. Tennessee can afford these locals. They can do it just fine, folks. You don't, you don't, uh, they don't need your help at all whatsoever. Uh, and in that Tennessee game, by the way, I don't want to take anything away from Tennessee because they played a really good game and they, they took advantage of every Alabama mistake. But Alabama made a bunch of them. Muff punt, a couple of turnovers. Junior uh, Gibbs dropping pass it into the hands that could have easily set Alabama up for a much closer field goal and the one that they attempted to try to take the lead to 52-49 instead of losing 52-49. Um, you know, uh, and again, Nick Saban's, Nick Saban's defense is a problem. I'll get Tennessee's defense in a minute because I think they're a problem as well, too. But Nick Saban's defense is a big problem. Um, it, it is one that, that you know, uh, is not good enough to win a national title. So I, I am very worried about how – I shouldn't say very worried – Curious to see how Nick Saban and company will be able to uh, handle this this adversity because that defense wasn't supposed to give up 52 Tennessee. I know it's a good defense. I know that there is a uh, I'm sorry. I know it's a good offense rather than Tennessee. I know they can put up points. They should be giving up 52 to anybody. Not Alabama. Not that defense. That's really uncommon. So you know, I uh, uh, Alabama still has everything in front of them though. I mean, look, they can win out. They can beat Old Miss, uh, and they'll still be in the SEC title game. So let's bump the brakes. Is Tennessee now a more legitimate threat to Georgia than they were a week ago? Um, I would say no, because Tennessee's offense was this good no matter what. The question is, is Georgia's defense good enough to handle Tennessee's offense? That's the real thing. This game, that game was played in Tuscaloosa. Is Tennessee winning it? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But nonetheless, um, Georgia should not get too comfortable yet, uh, despite the 55 to nothing win over uh, over Vanderbilt. They shouldn't get too comfortable with anything at this point in time. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a challenge for them, as will Kentucky, especially when they have Will Levis back. It's a very, very good defense. Um, you know, that may be the game where Stetson Bennett has to reemerge as passing Stetson Bennett, but we'll see. Um, and Stetson Bennett should reemerge as passing Stetson Bennett against Tennessee's defense. Their pass defense is terrible. Tennessee cannot make the college football playoff with that pass defense. They just can't. Period. They're, they're going to drop something to somebody. When their offense has an off game, they are going to lose to somebody because their pass defense is so bad. It is so bad. Bryce Young for nearly 500 yards on that defense. Between Kentucky, uh, Georgia, um, and maybe even to a certain extent South Carolina, you know, um, they're going to get by somebody. It's just going to happen. So uh, I'm not too worried about Tennessee as far as that's concerned because I think, again, they've got some real issues uh, in the past defense game. But if the game that they're playing is, is that, well, then guess what? Uh, they want to score a lot and they're going to give up a lot. There you go. Uh, some other games inside the top 25 that are really noteworthy. Uh, you have the, the, the matchup between TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU outlasted over time 43-40. Um, Big 12 is really interesting. There are four Big 12 teams um, that, that probably deserve a shot at the college football playoff and won't get it. Um, somebody should come out of the Big 12, I think, this year. And somebody should definitively come out of the Pac-12 
because there are four Pac-12 teams. We look at Utah, USC, UCLA, and Oregon. They're all really um, have legitimate cases. Utah might not because they already have a second loss, but the other teams do. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of this college football season unfolds. Uh, USC still has the easiest path to the Pac-12 title game. If they win that with one loss, they're going to the college football playoff. It's the same thing um, for Oklahoma State uh, or even TCU. You know, if, they, if TCU gets their undefeated, they're definitively in. If Oklahoma State gets back to the Big 12 title game and beats TCU, they're going to go in. Uh, I, I think this year is the, is the, I'm telling you, this year is the year you're not going to get two SEC teams in. You're not. Short of Georgia being undefeated and, and losing a game to a team like Alabama, um, you know, I, I don't know that they would get in. And Alabama still, again, has some work to do. So all that aside, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the rest of this college football season plays out. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are a lot of good teams in the country right now. Um, and a lot of them are, 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 I think, a little bit undervalued uh, as far as where they are. But you can only stack the teams at the top as, as they are. Do I think Tennessee at number three is overvalued? Yes, I do. I genuinely do. I would love to see them play Clemson and see how that game works out. I would love to see them play Clemson, especially at a neutral site or on the road. That, to me, is something I think that would really uh, test their metal a little bit. All right, that'll do it for us today here on A to Z on Locked On Sports. Atlanta. Remember, we're on Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick. Check us out there. Free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports. Atlanta. Don't forget to subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get that thumbs up, like all the content there. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Marks and Back tomorrow for a Tuesday show. You guys have a wonderful Monday.